always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Switch your home to Sky Broadband today. See sky.ie for more. For years, the leaders of the Kinahan crime cartel have run their drugs empire from the comfort of their homes in Dubai. They had essentially fled to Dubai about five or six years ago and they had sought to start afresh there, establish themselves as people who could come out of the shadows and trade out in the open. Connor Lally is the Irish Times security and crime editor. They'd set up things like leasing companies, consultancies, import-export firms. Even though we weren't aware of it at the time, they had even set up social media accounts. So Christy Kinnahan Sr. had his own Twitter account. He also had a LinkedIn account. Daniel Kinnahan had a consultancy website online. Then, last month, the net began to close in. As a result of the sanctions imposed today, which have cut them off from the global financial system, this will be a huge blow to the Kinahans. In a surprise move, the US authorities imposed swift and severe sanctions on the members of the gang, instantly cutting off their ability to funnel money from the drug trade into legitimate business enterprises. And that's been the main implication of the US sanctions. The websites have been taken down, the social media accounts are gone. So any effort to present themselves in Dubai as people who aren't involved in organised crime are obviously over. In the weeks since then, further measures have been taken against the Kinahins. But is that it for Ireland's most notorious crime gang? Have the sanctions deprived them of their money and their power? Or will the cartel remain a violent force in the drug trade in Ireland and further afield, able to sidestep the authorities and continue their deadly business? This is In the News from the Irish Times. I'm Conor Pope. Today, the impact of sanctions on the Kinahan gang and what it might mean for its future. Connor, after the US moved with these major raft of sanctions on the Kinahans, the United Arab Emirates followed suit. What happened there? It, it was really quite surprising to see the UAE uh, coming out as they had because the guards have been trying to get the authorities in the UAE on board with the inquiry into the Kinahan cartel for you know quite some years and the level of um, cooperation there has been really poor. And that's really hampered the efforts of the guards in the last few years. So what the UAE did, um, once they saw the US imposing their sanctions on the leadership of the cartel, they basically did the exact same thing. Um, they froze bank accounts owned by Christy Kinahan Sr., Christopher Kinahan Jr. and Daniel Kinahan. They did things like, you know, banned them from trading from Dubai so they can't be, uh, you know, directors of companies and so on. So, the combination of the UAE and the US sanctions, it, they, you know, they really lock the Kinahans out of the banking system. They can't trade with anybody in the US or UAE. So really, they're kind of paralyzed from that perspective. And that will damage them, particularly on the ground in Dubai, where they had, as I say, set up companies and so on, and were trying to present themselves as legitimate people. And I suppose that's the main impact of the uh, UAE sanctions. And we talked about the scale of the sanctions. Did they have any immediate impacts on the cartel? The boxing world is where we can look when we see the immediate impact. Um, We all know that Daniel Kinahan has had an interest in the sport uh, for quite some time. He set up um, a company called... 
MGM gym when he was in southern Spain. Um, that basically opened gyms, you know, in various places through Europe. Uh, they also signed, uh, you know, a lot of professional athletes. They held boxing tournaments really all over the world. And they were, they were more or less the managers and agents for all of these professional boxers. Now, Daniel Kinahan claims that he sold the company to a woman called Sandra Vaughn back in 2017. And the company was then rebranded as MTK Global. And really, in the last five years, it's grown very, very big. One of the, I suppose, the key moments in, you know, the evolution of Daniel Kinahan in professional boxing came about a year and a half ago when Tyson Fury went onto social media and he thanked Daniel Kinahan for basically having put in place a three-fight deal between himself and Anthony Joshua. Hello there. I'm just after getting off the phone with Daniel Kinahan. Uh, he just informed me that the biggest fight in British boxing history has just been agreed. Get up there, my boy! These kind of fights would be among the biggest pay-per-view sporting events really ever in the world. Um, so you're talking massive money. And the fact that, as I say, Tyson Fury, on the record, thanked Daniel Kinahan for having arranged that deal. I think while people involved in boxing and obviously people like crime journalists and so on were aware that Kinahan had that role. I think the general public didn't really realise he was so important in the boxing world. So what Daniel Kinahan then did was, um, once he was outed in that way, he sought to stay involved, but he more or less took a bit of a back seat. And he continued to be a deal broker in the sport. Um, since the sanctions have been imposed, MTK Global has actually said it was closing down. It basically said, even though um, Daniel Kinahan wasn't involved in the firm anymore, the reputational damage to it was just too great. And it was very clear to the company that, you know, agents, uh, broadcasters, promoters in the, in the US were no longer willing to work with the company. In a statement, MTK Global said it had faced unfair scrutiny and criticism since members of the Kinahan organised crime group were sanctioned by the US government last week. And is that it for him and for the Kinahans and boxing? Well, I mean, that's a very good question. As I say, for years, Daniel Kinahan grew his role in boxing in the background. He could technically go back there again. You know, he could be the guy kind of in the dark corner, putting all these deals in place, but, you know, staying out of the limelight. But I just feel big money in professional boxing. There's often U.S. involvement in that, and there's often U.S. broadcasting deals involved in that. And I just think any of these companies cannot be caught dealing with Daniel Kinahan, either, you know, formally, informally. So I think it will be very, very hard for him to hold on to any degree of power in the boxing world, certainly in the short term. And you've written in recent days about the impact that the sanctions have had on the finances of the Kinahan cartel. Will the sanctions cut off their access to money and has it significantly hampered their ability to channel cash from the drug trade into supposedly legitimate enterprises? I mean, the short answer to that question is no. I mean, really... If you look at what the Kinahan cartel do, they're a transport firm. I mean, that's essentially what they do. They transport drugs from A to B, logistics. Certainly, senior guardy that I've spoken to said, while the US and UAE, you know, sanctions have obviously piled pressure on them, they've brought them a lot of bad coverage all over the world and they've caused people to turn away from them. 
The main thing is, is that their wealth is really still intact. Um, we do not believe that the vast majority of their wealth was in banks in either the US or the, or the UAE. You're looking at other places, you know, small kind of island nations with, you know, tax haven status and that kind of thing. And their wealth will be wrapped up in these kinds of places, you know, hidden away, out of sight. So really, you know, senior guardy certainly believe that their core wealth and their, you know, transport operation, if you like, and their contacts in South America where they source, you know, vast quantities, particularly of uh, cocaine, that all of that is still intact. So the transport and the cash is still there. And once that's still there, they can continue, you know, trafficking drugs really all over the world. The money laundering aspect of it is going to be more complicated because they really have to do that through things like banks, various other companies and so on. The guards are pretty convinced that they've used U.S. banks and U.S. companies in the past. They won't be able to do that anymore. And certainly if they're caught doing that, the Americans will obviously have a very strong case against them. So drug dealing is, st is still on the tracks. The, the money laundering aspect of what they do is going to be far harder. But there's always a way, and these guys, I w wouldn't underestimate them. I think they'll have a plan B and, and a plan C, and I think their drugs trafficking capability is still there. It is still intact. And we've talked in the past, Connor, on previous podcasts about the role of the Criminal Assets Bureau in, in restricting the way criminals in this country can spend their money. I'd imagine the, the way the Kinahan cartel will be able to spend their money will be restricted as well as a result of the sanctions, would they? Well, that's a good question. I suppose their day-to-day -day spending won't be restricted, but certainly they can't buy any more assets in, you know, UAE. Um, and that's where they are at the moment. The next question then is, because the heat is being turned up on them in Dubai, will they go anywhere else? Mm. And if they try to relocate, I think that's a moment of kind of danger for them. Just crossing borders now for them is a dangerous activity really if they go to any country where they could be extradited back to Ireland or the US it's going to get very complicated for them so they can't buy any more assets but we're fairly sure that their core wealth is intact they can probably still reach that from Dubai you know they can just have bank accounts and fake names and have ATM cards and credit cards under you know somebody else's name so their day-to-day -day spending should be okay, but it's continuing to expand. It's spending the, you know, the vast majority of their money and it's investing in enterprises that will grow, which was what they have been trying to do for the last five or six years. That's all gone. So life is not impossible, but it's certainly harder. And like a lot of the time when, when we talk about the cartel, we talk about their business arrangements and the flow of money and all of these other things. But of course, at the core of, of their criminal enterprises is murder. And a, a Europol report published last week found that the Kinahan gang had been responsible for at least 20 people across four countries, Ireland, Belgium, the Netherlands and Spain, being killed. Based on your reporting, is that an accurate assessment of the gang's involvement in violent crime? I feel it's higher. Certainly they've killed people in Holland, Spain and in Ireland. And really, you know, that began back in 2007 when a man called Simon Cowmeadow was shot dead in Amsterdam. Um, now, he was blamed on stealing cash from the cartel, as was a young Irishman called Paddy Doyle, who was shot by the cartel in Spain in February 2008. So they're the first two killings that were aware the gang carried out. And then 
obviously the cartel has been involved in the Kinnan Hutch feud since 2015. There have been 18 people killed as part of that. And the cartel has carried out all but one of those killings. They also shot dead Eamon Dunn in Cabra back in April 2010. And they killed him because he was, you know, his gang was effectively killing too many people back here in Ireland. It was destabilizing the crime gangs here and it was bringing an awful lot of Garda heat on them. So the cartel basically took out Eamon Dunn in a, in an effort to kind of calm everything down here so they could sell more drugs back into the Irish market. So this is a very large organisation. They've killed a lot of people. At the height of the Kinahan Hutch feud, they would have had people in Ireland who were getting paid X amount every month and were just waiting on the word to go and carry out shootings. So that's the kind of arrangements they would have had in place. And this is why I wouldn't really underestimate them. They've got a lot of wealth. They still have a lot of power. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens next. Coming up, will the leaders of the Kinahan crime cartel ever face trial? Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa, gaming in the bedroom, or swiping in the bathroom. Hey! Get out of here! I said swiping. You'll never be without it. Switch your home to 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Availability subject to location requires Sky Broadband Ultrafast. For more info, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base. Connor, is there any prospect that key members of the Kinahan cartel could be extradited from the UAE to the US or to Europe or indeed at any point to Ireland? Yeah, I mean, there is a prospect of that happening. I mean, the important thing to note here is that we don't have any extradition arrangements at the moment with UAE. So Ireland hasn't got any and the European Union hasn't either. Now, earlier this year, we saw an Italian man who was extradited back to Italy from the UAE to face charges there, which was, you know, a highly unusual case. He was an associate of Daniel Kinahan's in a kind of a super cartel based out of Dubai, and they seem to control an awful lot of the supply of uh, cocaine from South America. You know, US law enforcement estimated that they controlled about one third of the cocaine that was, you know, taken in uh, Europe every year. So the Italians basically made a special plea to the UAE to send that guy back home to go on trial, and he was actually extradited home. So the same type of thing could happen with the Kinahans. The one thing that I will say is I think the prospect of them being brought back to Ireland to go on trial is probably unlikely. They've lived abroad for so long. Christy Kinahan Sr. has been, you know, has been abroad for, what, 22, 23 years. I just feel the prospect of them coming back here is probably slim. And I think it's more likely if they were to be extradited from the UAE that it would be back to the U.S., We've already seen the UAE was very quick to respond when the US imposed sanctions. And I also think they'd be quicker to respond to a US request for for the gang members to be extradited back to the US rather than to Ireland. So if they're going to go on trial, and I, I suspect, you know, one or two of them probably will, I think that'll happen in the US. Um, the kind of charges that they have there for, you know, 
transnational organized crime are, you know, they're very, you know, wide ranging. They can encompass things like, you know, white collar crime, the transport of drugs cross borders, all of that kind of thing. And the Americans are also very well used to dealing with major cartels. So I think for all of those reasons, it's more likely that the Kinnahans will go on trial in the US than in Ireland. But only time will tell. You know, we're not sure what, you know, what's going to happen on that yet. The United States Department of State is pleased to announce a reward of up to $5 million for information leading to the financial disruption of the KTCO or the arrest and convictions of its leaders, Christopher Vincent Kinahan, Daniel Joseph Kinahan, and Christopher Kinahan Jr. Do you have any sense that a reward of that scale could have an impact? I mean, I definitely think a reward on that scale could have an impact because similar, you know, rewards that have been offered by US law enforcement have actually worked and, you know, the cash has actually been paid out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it could work. I also feel as well, you know, US law enforcement made a big deal of coming out about three or four weeks ago with their sanctions packages and so on. And the Americans don't don't just do that kind of thing out, out of the blue. They will have a lot of work done before they go public, you know, like that. So, I think they'll already have a lot of information about the Kinahans. They'll have a lot of evidence about their, you know, laundering their cash through, you know, US banks and so on. So I feel, but I don't know for certain, but I feel that a US case against the Kinahans is, you know, some way down the road already. Um, and there's a lot of progress been made and a lot of information shared by obviously the guards and the police in the UK as well. Um, so I think, you, you know, U.S. law enforcement will already have a lot of information on them. Um, and what the rewards will try to do is to get other, you know, key information to just top up, uh, you know, the evidence that they already have in the bag against the Kinans, basically. And I suppose that the question then at the end is what happens next? If, if, if the leadership of the cartel are extradited to the US or to another country and the rewards are paid out and they are convicted of crimes and they are sentenced. I presume there's a whole host of other criminals just waiting to take their place. Yeah, the Kenan cartel is by far the largest organised crime group Ireland has ever seen. Um, but there are plenty of other, you know, crime gangs in Ireland. And indeed, if you look at the five or six year period since the um, Kenan Hutch feud started, other gangs have actually grown strong on the back of that because the Kinahan people in Ireland have been under intense pressure. A lot of them have ended up in jail over crimes that were carried out as part of that feud. It clears people off the pitch so other gangs can, you know, really take over. And that's what has happened. You have a number of other gangs. There's a handful of gangs there that have really grown strong. So they will be ready and they will be able to kind of step in and really take over the Irish drugs trade. Having said that, it's not quite as easy as that. As we spoke about earlier, the Kinnahans are all still free. They still have their cash and they still have their power. A lot of guards that I speak to say they wouldn't be surprised if a fresh wave of feuding were to break out here in Ireland you know, ordered by the Kinahan leadership from abroad. 
and they also wouldn't be surprised that if you know some of the you know larger gangs waiting in the wings hoping to take over the Irish market more or less went to war over control of the market and I think that's what is going to happen the economy in Ireland is quite strong at the moment once the economy is strong the demand for drugs is just you know off the charts and the Kinhens are definitely weakened here I think sparks are probably going to fly as the next group of gangs, you know, go to war with each other for control of the Irish drugs market. Conor Raleigh, as ever, thanks very much for talking to us. That's all for today. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Jennifer Ryan. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs>